three buddies got together. One was a doctor's son, one was a lawyer's son, and one was a pastor's son, and they all began bragging about what their fathers did. And first began the lawyer's son said, my dad has his life made out for him. The only thing he has to do is he has to convince 12 people on a panel to vote his way, and he makes a lot of money. He has to present his case, then those 12 people leave and deliberate for 10, 15 minutes, for half an hour and a couple hours, and they come back, and if he wins, he makes thousands of dollars. And the doctor's kid says, ah, that's nothing. My dad has somebody wait in the lobby for an hour and a half. They meet with him in his office for 15 minutes. He checks their heart, checks their blood pressure, asks a bunch of questions, takes a little pad of paper, writes a note, hands it to the guy, the guy leaves, he makes $150. And finally the pastor's kid says, ah, you guys don't know much of anything. My dad has it made. He gets up and talks for 15, and 20 minutes. It take 15 or 20 minutes. It takes four guys to carry all the money forward from what he made. <clears throat> so much for wealth. How would your life change if you became wealthy? Now, I'm not talking about third world wealth. Because in third world wealth... If you have money in your person now and you have money in a savings account, you're wealthier than half the people on the globe. According to Third World Wealth, when my oldest daughter worked at Sonic and she made $60 to $70 a week, she made more than 99% of people on this globe. I'm talking about First World Wealth. I'm not talking about six digits. I'm talking about seven or eight digits. How would your life change if you became wealthy? And don't kid yourselves, we've all what? Thought about that. What would your life be like if you won the lottery? Have you ever thought about that? How nice that would be? Take it easy, never have to work again. We've all thought about that. If I were a rich man, haven't we all been attracted and allured to that? In South America, the natives there have a unique way of catching chimpanzees and other sorts of monkey species. What they do is they go out into the rainforest in the jungle and they'll attach a chain around a tree. And to that chain, they'll socket it to a coconut or some other hard shell. And right in front of all the primates, they'll open it up. And they'll put in a piece of chocolate or candy or a piece of fruit, really large. Then they'll close it back up and they'll bore a little hole. And all the primates and monkeys see it. And when they leave, the monkeys will climb on down and they'll stick its little paw inside of there and grab hold of it and make a fist and it can't pull it out because it's not willing to let go of what? A piece of fruit or chocolate or whatever is inside. And that's how they get caught. They refuse to give it up even to the point of being captured, I don't know, sold to distributors and zoos and things like that. Friends in Christ, that's sort of the allure of wealth. Once we get our hands inside the coconut, even though it means us in bondage, we can't let go. The lure to have more and to have wealth is very attractive to us. Even for us Americans who live in first world wealth. Money in our pocket. Money in our savings account. Let's talk about our society. If you live in America, even though we are considered very wealthy compared to the rest of the world, many times we see ourselves as somewhat poor. We talk about people on poverty or middle income or maybe above middle income, but the reality is that we're all very wealthy. And we're always being taught that unless we have more, it's not enough. Our life is not so great because we just don't have what somebody else has, even though compared to the rest of the world, we are filthy rich. 
Let's play a little game of trivia. Let's talk about wealth and commercials. Matthew McConaughey helped sell these truly luxurious automobiles. What are they? And Lincoln, you know, Lincoln sales among single females has skyrocketed. All because of who? Oh, Matthew. Yeah, okay. Excellence or mastering experience, amazing drive. Which automobile company? Lexus. Moment at night, all you want is a fourth meal, crunchy, spicy, and grilled. Who? What restaurant? Come on. Taco Bell. Marion Cortland dances on the moon to sell this fragrance. Anybody know? Chanel number five. You've seen it before. You sometimes don't remember it that much. But it always allures us to want and have more. And finally, the planning effect, the changes in plan is part of the plan. So invest in what? Fidelity. We watch commercials like that. By the way, Americans, we watch 72,000 commercials a year. Wise lured in with wanting and having more that I might live the life the other people might wow at me, look at all my wealth and look at all I have. And so Jesus tells the parable of the rich fool. And the rich fool, it's been a very good crop this year, and he has a lot. So much was his crop that he just didn't fill the first barn, but he filled the second barn full of crops. And life was very good. The stocks and bonds were doing great. I have a second barn full of grain unheard of. So he said to himself, what shall I do? Well, I'll store all this grain to myself and I'll take life easy. And that night, our Lord said his life was required of him. What happened to him? You see, wealth is much like the primate with his hand in a coconut. Just can't let go of it in bondage to that. And so today, today's gospel lesson that I was just read to you, the rich young man came up to Jesus and he wanted to know what he needed to do to have eternal life. And so Jesus said this, keep the commandments. Now, of course, let's end it right here, right now. If anyone thinks that they're going to be saved by their own good works or keeping the commandments, give it up. It ain't going to work. We are all sinners in front of a just and holy God. So Jesus played this game with him, and Jesus went through all these commandments, and the man kept it all. And then Jesus said this to the wealthy young man, if you truly want to have eternal life, Sell all your possessions and give it to who? Say it. Give it to the poor. And the rich young man said, I can't do that. Why not? What was his God? Go ahead. What was his God? His money and his wealth. He's like the primate with his fist caught inside the coconut. He couldn't give it up. You see, Jesus wasn't fundraising for United Way or for some other charity. He wasn't fundraising for the scouts. He is dealing with this man's heart. Now you heard, as Mr. Mike McGee said, Today's message is about wealth and greed and eternal life. So the man went away sad. Now Jesus didn't call him back and say, tell you what, let's do half and half. You keep half, I keep half. Let's go 75%, 25%. God is not a God who deals with people on their own terms. This is how it is. The man went away sad. It's matters from the what? Heart. You shall have no other what? was a man's God. His what? His wealth was his God. That's what he worshipped. That's what he adored. No one can serve two masters. Where your treasure is, there too is your heart. Now, we can take the wealth and use it for anything. Popularity, convenience, pride. 
where your treasure is, whether it's your wealth, your popularity, your pride, your convenience, there too is your heart. You cannot serve both God and what? Notice they didn't say money. Money and mammon are two different things. Let me explain. Money's not necessarily evil. We all need money. Need money to pay electricity. Need money to pay gas. Need money for groceries. Need money for surgeries. Need money for our house. Yes, we need money to pay taxes. Money's not bad. What's mammon? Well, I think we can all relate to this. Every week or every month you get done paying all your bills and you have some what? Left over? Some might call it indisposable income? That's mammon. Mammon's above and beyond what we need. And some people worship that. Because some people see that as fun money. Some people see that as money for me. Some see as money I have to take care of myself. That's mammon. Notice you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both what? God and mammon. Because mammon's about taking care of me. It has to be one or the other. Can you all read this with me, please? Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, nor can we take anything out of it. People who want to get rich fall into a trap and into many harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Once again, money is not the root of all evil, but the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Friends in Christ, I've done many funerals. Not once have I seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. Brought nothing into this world and what? Take nothing out of it. What's going to happen to our possessions the moment we die? Who gets it? Somebody else does. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Most painfully, what profits a person if they gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul in hell? Mammon, the danger of wealth, my hand in the coconut. So Jesus says this, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Again, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean a rich person can't, but it's difficult. How do we interpret the camel going through the eye of a needle? Well, there's a couple ways. The first way is just a simple explanation. Camel through a sewing needle's hole ain't going to happen. Right? You all thought about that? Not going to work. The other way to interpret it is camel going through a worn hole or a hole made by boring. You know, you have an old pair of jeans, you sit in it long enough, there's a tear in your back pocket, your wallet's in your back pocket. You get a hole in your knee area, or maybe you put a hole through something for a specific reason. Sort of like a camel going through that worn or bore hole. The third way to look at it is there's like a hole in which, which, which anchors are held by a cable or a large rope. How hard is it for a camel to go through that hole? Or another explanation is this. A camel through a walled city's hole. Now, cities in Jesus' day were walled due to protection. And sometimes they'd have secret holes in there for their soldiers to climb back in and out. But if a camel loses its wealth and the stuff it's carrying, shed its load, it maybe crawl through as well. Someone said they sort of liked it because once we dump our wealth, then we can crawl in. Well, the best explanation is this one. B. Jesus literally, 
It's easier for a camel to go through the hole in the back of your pockets or a borehole than for a wealthy person into the kingdom of God. Why? There's nothing against wealth. People who worship wealth can't worship God at the same time. Disciples were shocked. Who can be saved? Jesus said, can you all read this with me? With people, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Jesus' grace makes it possible. You see, unbelief places priorities of the flesh over and above the priorities of faith. That's a danger of wealth. It places wealth above God and faith. I can't come to church on Sunday morning. I party too hard on Saturday night. I had a friend of mine who says I can't come to church on football Sundays because from 11 to 1 they have the the pre-Browns game special where they review all the plays. And I can't miss that because I don't want to miss the opening kickoff so I don't come to what? I can't come to church on Sunday mornings because I work really hard even though my business is doing great. I can't give that up. Unbelief places priorities of the flesh over and above the priorities of the faith. I just can't do it. That's the danger with wealth. That's the danger with wealth. It places that above faith. See, friends in Christ, faith says we can receive both the spiritual and the material blessings of God. What do we pray in the Lord's Prayer? Read it with me. Is this day our daily bread? What is daily bread? What's well, more than bread? Martin Luther saw it as food, clothing, shoes, house, home, shelter, daily necessities. We do ask God to give us material blessings. We can have faith in material blessings in the right order. With food and clothing, we shall be what? Have you ever said this or ever heard this said? I don't have anything to wear and we got nothing to eat. That's not true. Got nothing to eat, nothing to wear. That's not true. Your closets are full and what you might have in the fridge, in the cupboard, you might not want at that time, but there's plenty there. You see, faith receives the spiritual and material blessings of God. Contentment. So I'd like to refer to our good Dr. Luther about wealth, what he says about wealth. Where people have their fill and suffer no want, no one looks to God. When life's good, what do I need God for? When I'm wealthy, what do I need God for? Well, on the other hand, they suffer hunger for one day, everyone cries. Therefore, the fact that he lets the great mass of people have little is great mercy. Otherwise, they become ill-mannered. Friends in Christ, I talk to others who travel throughout the third world and they say they're very happy. Those people are very happy even though they have very little compared to what we have. They have to worry about their cell phone or their roof or their second car's air conditioning. See, sometimes God doesn't give us wealth because he gives us faith. Right? It's a blessing to need. It's a blessing to trust in God. So God sometimes doesn't give wealth. He gives faith instead. Those people are most fortunate who do not possess many treasure, for they do not have to support many rats and need not fear thieves. You see, the wealthy man, he had to worry about rats and insects, right? He had two barns full of stuff. Or a wealthy person has to worry about thieves. I knew a person who owed a lot of money to various companies and they weren't doing very well. An identity protection program called him up and said, aren't you afraid someone's going to steal your identity? And the woman said to the person, if anybody wants to steal my identity, please be my guest. They can have it all. 
You see, with great treasure comes great problems as well. Our Lord does not bestow more on us than one another only to have us misuse it for the purposes of arrogance and luxury. Luxury comes from the Latin word luxus. It means decadence. It's mean having more than what I need. I don't know what to do with it. But to have us willingly help others who need it. St. Ambrose said the man with two barns full of grain, instead of sticking the grain in the barns, he could have put the grain in the mouths of the hungry. Billy Graham said this, God gave us two hands. One to receive the blessings and one to what? Give it away. Luther says he is... There's nothing wrong with wealth. He's suspect of wealth because wealth is used to bless others. Greed is neglect of God and neighbor. Hence, everyone can be greedy. The poor, the middle class, the above middle class, and the wealthy. Greed is neglecting God and neighbor with what I have. You like this one? I picked this one up out of Forbes magazine. They make a good point. Wealth is the most insignificant thing on earth. Would you rather have... Wealth or health? Which one? Would you rather have wealth or family? Would you rather have wealth or relationships? What would you rather have wealth or eternal life? Would you rather have, ask what the child baptized today, Howard, wealth or baptism? There are a lot more things, friends in Christ, important than wealth. You can't take it with you to heaven. It's left on earth. One day, someone's going to own everything we owe the day after we what? Die. Guaranteed. Wealth is the small, most insignificant thing on earth. The smallest gift God can give, what is his comparison to God's word? Because God's word gives us grace, mercy, eternal life, and all that we need. How much does forgiveness, grace, and mercy cost? How much? Tell me. Say it. Zero. It cost Jesus everything. His life for our salvation. That's wealth. That's wealth. How about this for a closing thought? Can you all read it with me? Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. For us wealthy in Christ, all God's people say, Amen. Amen.